Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you want to thank R&B Car Company locations in South Bend and Warsaw? R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Live stream is available at theburningtruth.us and rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Uh, the breaking news of the afternoon is former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright has passed away at the age of 84. So that is the uh, the big news today. Uh, still waiting to um, hear about the symptoms, I guess, of uh, Jen Psaki and Hillary Clinton. They both seem to be okay. Uh, Hillary Clinton did make the mistake of asking for movies to watch during COVID uh, while she is at home isolating. And, of course, the responses were hysterical. Um, now, obviously, we don't want any of them to be you know, um, seriously affected by it. We wish them good health, that sort of thing, in spite of our differences with them. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, we're still paying attention. And, and the good news is that the, the current variants of, of the, uh, the virus are not real dangerous. Um, did you see that South Korea? South Korea has had virtually no cases in a long time. South Korea has got a bunch of cases now. I think it's that Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, version of COVID that's going around right now. All right. Um, I promised that I was going to talk about this, and I haven't done a lot. I've been doing a little mention here, a little mention there. We have to talk about the Supreme Court nominee. This is, I think, very, very important. This is Katanji Brown-Jackson. As we've told you before, and, and I predicted, and I think that a lot of other people did as well, pretty easy, basic strategy here. You, you basically nominate the most radical person who has no chance of getting through. If they do get through, you win. If they don't get through, you use that to politic for the midterms. And you make it about the racist, sexist, GOP, won't let her through, she's qualified, yada, 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 yada. So you get the idea, right? But it's not going very well for her. So here's here's what I'm going to do, all right? We're going to get into the adult material, the, the child pornography stuff. So I'm just letting you know. In this first half hour of the show, it may not be the best time to have the kids listening. And if you're at work, it might be a good time to throw on the headphones, all right? Just letting you know. Uh, obviously, everything is FCC compliant. But if HR might be a little miffed by some of the things that I say, then you, you, you don't want to get in trouble. And some of you obviously don't want your children discussing some of these more grown-up topics. And so I'm just giving you your ample warning since I know a lot of you are picking the kids up from school and uh, going out and doing your ice cream and your McDonald's runs and, and whatnot. So I'm just letting you know. I'm going to start with a couple of other things that have nothing to do with some of the uh, adult-oriented child material that is going to be coming up in a little bit. So it gives you some time to kind of transition away. All right. Uh, so let's just start off with this. The black Hebrew Israelites. This is the group that harassed Nicholas Sandman, who is the Covington Catholic kid. They are extremely racist. They are extremely anti-Semitic. They do not like Jews. And I don't know how else you could describe them. I mean, they're so radical that a lot of activist black groups will not acknowledge them at all. This is not a, a decent group of people. It's not a little cultural group of people. They're a hate group. Period. End of story. That's who they are. We did a whole expose about who the black Hebrew Israelites were. Uh, the Monday following the Sunday issue with Nicholas Sam. Well, I should say it happened on Saturday evening. It was debunked on Sunday. Uh, but they continue to lie about him throughout Sunday. And on Monday, we told you who the black Hebrew, Hebrew Israelites were. Went through the whole history. 
So this is not a good group of people, all right? They are bigots. There's no other way to say it. So this is Judge Jackson during the confirmation hearing process talking about the the African-Hebrew Israelites and calling them a, quote, cultural community around healthy living. Give my audio, please, Joe, or Josh. Did I do it to you again? What the heck, dude? Only three years without doing it. I'm sorry, Josh. So this case involved a, a small community, a cultural community, um, of people who believe in uh, vegan lifestyles. Um, they call themselves the African Hebrew Israelites, but it's not a religious community. It's a cultural community around um, uh, healthy living. Yeah, they're racists. It has nothing to do with the healthy living aspect of it. Nothing to do with it whatsoever, okay? They're racist. I, I don't know what else to tell you. You spent five minutes looking at this group and, and some of the things that they have said and some of the things they said to Nicholas Salmon, okay? They're bigots. They're not a cultural group around veganism. That's not who they are. They are racist anti-Semites. That's who they are, all right? And the fact of the matter is even black activists do not, do not align with this group at all. And obviously a lot of black activist groups are they're racist themselves. And they think the black Hebrew Israelites or the African Hebrew Israelites, same group, are a little out there. Okay? So there's that. Next, okay, next, this was a really good question that stumped her. Senator Kennedy asked her, hey, when does, uh, when does somebody actually get the full legal protections of our legal code? Basically asking, when does life begin? It's a, it's a good question. Right, some people might say, oh, it's irrelevant. Those same people were asking Amy Coney Barrett the exact same question on the left. Suddenly, it's not a good enough question. I've seen that all over the place. But the crux of, of what Kennedy was saying here is, hey, as a judge, as somebody who has been a lawyer, as somebody who's been in the legal system their entire life, at what point in time do the legal protections afforded to a human being apply to a child? It's a pretty basic question. So here's that line of questioning and her response, because he stumped her. When, uh, when does life begin, in your opinion? Senator, um, I don't know. <laughs> Ma'am? I don't know. Do you have I, a I belief? I have um, personal, religious, and otherwise beliefs that have nothing to do with the law in terms of when life begins. Do you, do you have a personal belief, though, about when life begins? I have a religious view. Religious belief? That I set aside when I am ruling on cases. Okay. When, 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 does, uh, when does equal protection of the laws attach to a, to a human being? Well, Senator, um, I believe that the Supreme Court... Um, actually, I, I actually don't know the answer to that question. I'm sorry. I don't. Okay. All right. It's a good question, though. It's not the typical, you know, trap question of when does life begin? It's, it's, that's, that's not what it is. It was a very simple question. When she tried to get out of it and wiggle out of it with the whole, I have a personal religious belief, which she won't tell you, and that's her right to not tell you. It would have been helpful if she did because, you know, is her religious belief that, it's at conception, or is her religious belief something completely different? Which would bring up a whole other issue of, of questions. So 
it's a great question that he asked, though. Basic, you know, when does when does life begin? And the reason that he wanted to ask that is, hey, you, as somebody who will be on the Supreme Court, when do you think the legal code should apply to a human being? Good question. She couldn't answer that. She had no answer for that, which may be concerning to some people, uh, even though the Supreme Court is uh, likely not going to be ruling on some of these issues like some of the activists on both sides of the aisle want. Okay, But it's a good line of questioning because of the aspect of when does the law actually apply to a human being, in your opinion? In your opinion, when does all of the legal protections that a human being has actually apply to them in this country? And she did not have an answer. And frankly, I think that that is a little concerning. Uh, The other thing that, to me, is a little concerning is that she couldn't define what a woman is. I'm sorry, wasn't she selected to be the nominee because of two things? Color of her skin and that she was a woman. So... Half of the reason that she's even in front of the committee right now is because she's a woman, yet she can't define what a woman is. Uh, Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. Why not? I can't. Why? You can't? Why not? Not in this context. I'm not a biologist. Oh, I'm not a biologist. Wow. She doesn't know a lot about being a woman. Which is weird for somebody who is a woman, and that is half of her qualifications for sitting in front of this committee right now, according to Joe Biden. Okay, which I told you before, when Joe Biden said that, I want a black woman, which he, again, he blocked a black woman from becoming a Supreme Court justice twice. But when he said he wanted a black woman, I told you that there, that was disrespectful to whatever his, whoever's nominee was going to be, because all of their qualifications now go out the window. That's the problem. She now has to defend this position. And it's very unfair to put her in this position. She has to defend her right to be on the Supreme Court and that she wasn't just selected because of the color of her skin or her gender. But nonetheless, that's the reason that she's here. If she was not a woman, she wouldn't be here. Her qualifications weren't as important. The color of her skin was as important. The whole reason for her being here, color of her skin, and that she's a woman. So... Shouldn't she be able to define what a woman is? Well, she doesn't know a lot about what a woman is because she's not a biologist, but boy, does she know a lot about child pornography? Maybe you don't care about that. I think that's interesting. You can't tell me what a woman is, but you know a lot about child pornography, like intricate details about child pornography, but you can't tell me what a woman is, you allegedly being one. Really interesting stuff. So here's the part where I'm going to go and take a little commercial break. And I'm going to let you know that this is the next section here is where if you're in a sensitive environment or you have younglings around, you may want to figure out another way to hide what I'm about to say if you don't want them to hear some of the things that I'm about to say. Because I'm about to dive into this this subject. And I know that a lot of you obviously don't want the kids to hear it. You You might be at work or in an environment where you don't want to get in trouble or offend other people around you. So we're going to get into that next. News Talk 95.3 MNC. What is the word of the day? That's a great question. People on Rumble are asking what the word of the day is to try and hack the algorithm in the comments section. Uh, People did try to usurp the word of the day with their own word of the day, which does not count. Um, I don't know. How about what is a woman? How about that? The sentence of the day. What is 
a woman. That'll be in the comment section of rumble.com slash Casey the host. Again, if you're watching the live stream, we're there. We're also on the burningtruth.us if you want to watch in the live stream tab there. So I gave you fair warning uh, for the past 20 minutes or so that we're going to get into some sensitive content here. So if you've got kiddos running around or if you're in a work environment, want to throw those headphones on so nobody else can hear. So here's the thing. We've got this, we've got this entire confirmation process, okay, with the with the judge, Judge Jackson. And we're now into the biggest concern about her record, which is the child pornography leniency in her entire, entire legal record. And that's a problem. Uh, we are in a society that is grooming children, has been grooming children for quite some time. Uh, they used to just be culture and clothing, and now it's in the schools, and some parents are getting in, and, in on it and everything else. And this is very, very concerning when you start to see some of the trends that are happening. So here's the opening statement from Senator Josh Hawley, who's really been the guy that's been calling out her record on child pornography and her leniency with child predators. And I wanted to play the entire opening, the entire opening up to like four and a half minutes, because I want you to not just get the leftist media sound bites of what he says. I want you to actually get what he said to her and how he addressed Judge Jackson. Is my audio still queued up there, Josh? All right, so this is Senator Hawley in his opening statements with Judge Jackson in the confirmation process. Judge, congratulations on your nomination. It's nice to see you again. Congratulations to all of your family. I know that this is a big moment for you and for them, and rightly so. I enjoyed our meeting a couple of weeks ago. You know, as I've said to folks who've asked about it, one of the things I particularly appreciated about our meeting, besides how much time you gave me, was how candid and forthcoming you were, which I really respected. And uh, I look forward to a candid conversation again in the days that come. And by the way, I'm admiring how you're sitting so uh, stoically through all of this, uh, all the senator talk. But uh, I'm looking forward to visiting with you again. You did me the, the honor when we sat down of being very candid. And uh, I hope I was candid with you. I've been candid since. I want to be candid with you today so you know exactly what it is I want to talk about. And uh, so you know exactly where my head is at. So let me, let me say a few things that I'm concerned about, aspects of your record that, that trouble me. This will come as no surprise. I've said it in public already. But I want to be, again, very candid in the interest of an open and honest discussion and specific. So here are, I hope, in the next couple of days, some of the cases from your time on the, on the court, the district court, the federal district court, that I hope that we can talk about. Let me just run few, through a few of them so you know exactly which ones I mean. United States versus Hawkins. This was a child pornography case where the defendant distributed multiple images of child porn, possessed dozens more, including videos. The federal sentencing guidelines recommended a sentence of 97 to 121 months in prison. Prosecutors recommended 24 months in prison. Judge Jackson gave the defendant three months in prison. United States versus Chazen, there it's the, that case the defendant possessed 48 files of child pornography. The federal guidelines recommended 78 to 97 months in prison. The prosecutor recommended the same. Judge Jackson sentenced him to 28 months. United States versus Cooper. There the defendant possessed dozens of images of child pornography and uh, distributed, I should say distributed dozens of images of child pornography, possessed over 600. The federal guidelines recommended 151 to 188 months in prison. That's a long time. The prosecutor recommended 72 months. Judge Jackson gave the defendant 60 months, which was the lowest sentence permitted by the law. United States versus Down, that's a case where the defendant distributed 
33 graphic images and videos of child sexual assault to an anonymous messaging app, unfortunately, practice that's becoming more common. The federal guidelines recommended 70 to 87 months in prison. The prosecutor recommended 70 months in prison. Judge Jackson sentenced him to only 60 months. Again, that's the lowest level that was permitted by law in that case. Okay, he goes on with cases like that for another two minutes. For another two minutes. And in every one of those cases, there's the sentencing guidelines, which is the law's guidelines of sentencing. Then there's the prosecution's recommended sentencing. And there's what she actually gave in the sentence. And in each one of those cases, it was the bare minimum or way, way lower than what even the prosecution was asking for. Now, this is a problem. I've already told you before, the judiciary has a problem with child predators and they protect their own. Now, I'm not saying that she is, but I'm saying that this is concerning. So when she was asked about it, okay, she gave a response. We'll get to that in a second. But first, I just want to touch on something that I, I find very, very, very interesting. The media for the past couple of days has been telling you that this was a right-wing conspiracy that she was giving light sentences to child pornography uh, peddlers and things of that nature. Well, you just had several examples, several examples of how that is not the case. Josh Hawley is telling the truth. Those are all cases you can look up. The, the record is crystal clear. She has given very light sentences for child pornography offenses. Now, she explains that why she does that here in just a, just a little bit, but just a couple of days ago, they were saying it was a right-wing conspiracy. Okay, Media Matters attacked Sean Hannity and Senator Hawley for vile smears of Katanji Brown-Jackson. Now, of course, everybody from Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett and everybody else uh, is basically telling the left-wing you know, hacks out there, sit down and shut up. You own, you own vicious attacks on Supreme Court justices. That was you guys who started it. You've normalized it. But the reality is this is not a vicious personal attack like the Kavanaugh thing or the Amy Coney Barrett thing. This is how she is ruled as a judge, providing well below the sentencing guidelines of the statutes and well below the sentencing recommendations of the prosecution when they get a conviction. And she's not sentencing them there. In one of those cases, for crying out loud, they should have been put behind bars for several years. She gave the person three months. So... What is her excuse for all of that? Well, you should hear it right from her. Make sure my audio is queued up, please. This is, again, this is Judge Jackson explaining why she gives lenient sentences to child pornography peddlers and possessors, which the left-wing media told you was a conspiracy theory just a couple of days ago. As you said, the guideline was based originally on uh, a statutory scheme and on directives, specific directives by Congress at a time in which more serious child pornography offenders were identified based on the volume, based on the number of photographs that they received in the mail. And that made totally total sense before when we didn't have the internet, when we didn't have distribution. But the way that the guideline is now structured, based on that set of circumstances, is leading to extreme disparities in the system because it's so easy for people to get volumes of this kind of material now by computers. So it's not doing the work of differentiating who is a more serious 
offender. Okay, her position, which you were told was a conspiracy theory just a few days ago, her position as a judge is the sentencing guidelines for people who possess and distribute child pornography are out of line because unlike in the past, it's so easy for you to get large amounts of it now. And therefore, it's not appropriate to have the same stringent sentencing guidelines back when it was being sent through snail mail. There's some major problems with that line of thinking, and we'll touch on that coming up on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. MNC News Time is 3.34. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. Yeah, that there would be fully automatic weapons and that sort of thing, right? We try to make those guidelines and that the punishment more severe. Yet somehow, with child pornography, which involves the victimization of children, we're supposed to make the sentencing more lenient. There's another thing that is really bothering me about this, and I haven't seen enough people make this point. Maybe it's too obvious to see. Each and every photo, each and every video of an underage child with child pornography is a separate victim. And I have not seen people arguing that. So just because it's easier to get larger quantities of this material now doesn't change the fact that every photo and every video is a separate crime. Her position is that doesn't matter It's easier for them to get child pornography, so the sentencing should be lighter than the guidelines suggest. I think the guidelines need to be stiffened because you're dealing with more victims being victimized more times in order to make up this volume of images and video, which any logical sane person who wants to protect children would be able to take a step back and go, yeah, each one of these is a crime. So we're not just talking about the bulk. Oh, this pile of of pictures is, again, it's all physical media, but it's not as much as this one. This is just digital media. So digital media victims are not as victimized as Polaroid victims. That's really what she's arguing. Children who have been victimized this way, but their files are shared over the Internet, are not as big of victims as those who were taken pictures of with a Polaroid camera and sent off to somebody 20 years ago. In her mind, modern-day victims are less victimized than the older victims. That's not acceptable. Now, the same media that told you that this was a conspiracy theory a couple of days ago are now actually on her side. Nikki Freed. Republicans attacking Judge Jackson claim public defenders are soft on crime. As a former public defender, I have to speak up. The Sixth Amendment guarantees everyone the right to counsel, our constitutional right. We defend the Constitution and ensure all men are created equal. I haven't seen anybody in this confirmation process make that argument at all. Uh, Nikki Freed is an idiot. And a bunch of people piled on on social media. Okay, nobody's saying that. The issue is the sentencing. Nobody's saying that somebody is not entitled to a defense. The issue is the sentencing. Once convicted, why is her sentencing so light compared to what it should be? Her justification for that light sentencing is 
well, it's too easy to get child pornography, and I don't want to punish them too much because it's so easy. And that's not fair to them. It's not fair that they can get child pornography so easily, so I really don't want to punish them too much. Now, here's where things get absolutely, it's hysterical and sad all at the same time. Give my audio again, please. It's not news. It's CNN's Jeffrey Tubin. This is the guy who diddled himself in front of coworkers. Remember that guy? Here's him defending Judge Jackson and saying, yeah, the sentencing guidelines are a little out of whack. Can I just add one point about these these, these kiddie porn cases? And and this this came up, I remember, when I was an assistant U.S. attorney back in the 90s, is that when those... uh, when those uh, sentencing guidelines were written for those cases, th- this was a time when uh, the people who committed these crimes would order individual photos and 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 get and then get them usually through email, um, and then uh, they would be sentenced based on the number of photos they possessed. This was all pre-internet, so uh, once the internet came in and and people got. Um, access to hundreds and then thousands of photos, they would the, the sentencing guidelines would reflect hundreds and then thousands of photos. Federal judges have been struggling with the issue of how do you create a fair system that was designed pre-internet that was, yet, yet you have to sentence people post-internet. And what I thought, Chairman... What you're watching is you're watching somebody who exposed his privates to his co-workers while he diddled himself on a Zoom meeting. You're watching him defend child pornography. And that's not hyperbolic, okay? Because some of you do, oh, that's hyperbolic. No, no, that's not what he's saying. No, 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 no. Do you know why every single photograph that was ordered through the mail in the olden days, do you know why every single photograph was listed as a separate infraction? Do you know why? I explained it earlier because each photograph was a new crime. If you take 10 photographs of one child, you've committed 10 crimes. That's what the sentencing guidelines were set up for. Just because it's easier to gain access to large caches of these images doesn't change that very basic fundamental fact. And anybody who argues against that, I'm sorry, is a pedophilia sympathizer. There's no other way you can draw any other conclusion. You either believe that taking an inappropriate photo or video of a child is a crime or you do not. And you just saw two members of the media defend Judge Jackson and her explanation for why she gives light sentences to child pornography. The fact of the matter is they're all separate infractions, they're all separate violations, and they are all separate and singular instances of abuse of a child and should be sentenced as such. Anybody you know who says otherwise probably, probably has some sympathies and may harbor some feelings that you don't want to be a part of. Got more coming up. 95.3 MNC. Hey, good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Once again, I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. This, there's a reason that this is disturbing. 
Okay. You know, in Elkhart Community Schools, our teachers were posting on social media saying, hey, your middle school student is coming to school and they are watching Pornhub. They're watching Pornhub before school. They're watching Pornhub in the classroom. They're watching Pornhub in between classes. Please get them to stop watching it at school. To which people were asking, why aren't you taking the phones away? Why aren't you disciplining the kids? Why aren't you sending them home? Why don't the parents know about this? It's because the school administration isn't doing anything about it. Why are middle school students watching pornography on their phones? Could it be that pornography was introduced to them at a young age? Some of the sexually graphic material that they're passing out to elementary school students, which parents are protesting all over. I early On the early show today, we did another case where a mom in front of a school board read an excerpt from one of the books that is in the school. And the school board shut her down and said, this is inappropriate. We have children streaming this school board meeting at home. And the mom's response was, that's my point. If I can't read you, and it was a very watered down excerpt of what was in this book. She goes, if I can't read this to you here because you're afraid that kids at home streaming this on the internet are going to see it, then it doesn't belong in the classroom. That was her whole point. But you normalize this behavior and all of a sudden they start seeking it out. That's what grooming is. You desensitize and you normalize behavior that they shouldn't be desensitized or normalized to. And then they're more apt to seek out said topic, said material, and they're more likely to participate in it. That is the whole point. Have you seen the research of how many people who identify as as LGBTQ plus and everything else and, and the number of them who are abused as children? Go look up the date. I don't need to tell you. Go look it up. Go look it up right now and tell me that that doesn't concern you. And when you have judges who are giving three months to people who are sharing child pornography, you got a real problem in this country. And there's a lot of them. And they certainly don't belong in the Supreme Court. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And did the assessment and the the color consultation, okay? My wife and I are still fighting about the color. But, but, but they're helping us through it. So the color consultants are about. We really do use balance of nature. It is really in this bit. For those of you on the camera right now, hold on a second. This is it, okay? This is the vegetables. The fruits are on the other side. Here we go. Here's the fruits right here, all right? And you can tell they're open, right? We'll show you. They're open. They are open, guys. We use these things all the time, okay? It's not a joke, all right? I, I told you a long time ago. I'm only going to endorse things that, that there are services I believe in and that I use, period. That's just, that's all I do, all right? Sometimes it was a service that I used one time, but I had a great experience, and so we use them. That does happen occasionally. Depends on the type of company. Obviously, I'm not going to get a bunch of water heaters put into my house, okay? But the one time I got a water heater... They were amazing. So, <laughs> but, uh, and so we started you know, this balance of nature stuff. I have been looking for a supplement like this forever. And I've had a couple that were like liquid and they didn't taste very good. And they weren't, you know, 
I've been looking for it forever. And then so Laura comes up. And she's like, will you try this stuff? I'm like, okay, I've heard the commercials forever. Why not? I'll try it. Love them. Absolutely love them. And it's a fantastic product. And <laughs> Josh uses it all the time. We've got coworkers left and right using it. I think Brooklyn's even started taking them now, sometimes sparingly. Okay? But it's it's better. She's getting more fruits and veggies than she was. All right? And now we've got a coworker's wife who's, like, super addicted to them. I mean, they're not addictive, obviously. But but they make you feel good. They're fruits and – it's real food. And I looked into the cost of a, uh, a freeze dryer. It's like $2,200 minimum. We're going to freeze dry some food. I'm going to stick with the dehydrator for now. Unless I get an endorsement for a freeze dryer, and then I'll tell you all about it, okay? So if you've got a freeze drying company, you let me know. All right? We're interested. Uh, but, yeah, we, we do. We use them all the time. Uh, balanceofnature.com, promo code Laura, save 35%. Okay? There you go. I, I'm not even going to charge Laura for that read. Not even going to charge her for it. Okay. A lot of audio today. This is the CEO the co-CEO, I should say, because Ben Shapiro is the CEO, but co-CEO of the Daily Wire. This is Jeremy Boring, okay? This is him talking about his new venture that he's just launched. Give me my audio, please. Here we go. Hey, do you remember one year ago today when Harry's Razors dropped their ads on the Daily Wire because, well, because we had the audacity to disagree with them on a political issue? Of course you don't. Why would you? Woke corporations cancel their advertisements on conservative shows and platforms all the time. It's hardly even news at this point. Just the cost of doing business. See, corporate America wants it both ways. They want conservatives to buy their goods and services, but they also want to virtue signal to the woke mob and their 23-year-old employees by publicly repudiating those same conservative customers. Now, here's the thing. I do remember. I remember every time one of these cowardly companies betrays us. And it is a betrayal, make no mistake. They know our politics before they advertise with us. It's why they advertise with us. We reach a large audience. They want that audience to buy their goods and services. We go out of our way to make absolutely sure they know what we're about before they get into business with us. And they get into business with us anyway, because it works. They're happy that we leverage our personal credibility to tell our audience about their products. We're happy too. But then at the first sign of trouble, in the case of Harry's Razors, it was an attack from a Twitter account with two Yes, two followers online. Well, then they not only pull their sponsorships, but they publicly attack us and the very audience that they paid us to reach. Now look, I don't mind any company pulling their sponsorships. That's their right. That's just business. It's the public attack I can't abide. Harry said our views. In this case, the very common view that gender dysphoria is a mental illness were, quote, inexcusable. They said it publicly, showing the whole world how pure they are, of course, but also signaling to all of our other advertisers that the only excusable thing to do would be to also cancel on us. See, that makes it a direct attack on our business and a direct attack on our audience too. So what are we to do? Well, what conservatives have been doing for years is lose. We're supposed to take the L. We're supposed to get a little poorer. We're supposed to hire fewer people. We're supposed to be a little less profitable. And of course we bitch. Oh, how we complain. The left is terrible. It's cancel culture. They're trying to silence us. And then we beg. We beg for donations, mostly. Stand up to the censorious left, we shout, by sending us your money. So what did he do? What did Jeremy Boring do? Started Jeremy's Razors. That's what he did. That's what he did, Josh. He started Jeremy's Razors. Because screw Harry. Harry sucks. You imagine selling a facial razor 
to a bunch of people and you don't even know what a man or a woman is? Can you imagine that? I can't play the whole thing. It's five minutes. Okay. I can play two minutes. I can't play five minutes. All right. So Jeremy Boring, co-CEO of the Daily Wire, started his own razor company. YouTube censors people. What happens? Rumble.com gets started. Facebook and Twitter censor you. What do you have? Telegram, Getter, Truth Social, right? Although I'm this close to leaving Getter. This close. This, this close. And if you follow my Getter, you will see the post why. I posted it this morning on my Getter at Casey the Host. But this is, this is the way forward. I've been talking about it for years. Dan Bongino talks about it a lot now. Parallel economy. Disney, okay, Disney didn't take action that some of the employees wanted them to take action on. And then the CEO apologized to all the employees. They had a walkout and everything else. And what did Disney promise to do? Now, look, all what do you, Josh, what do people want Disney for? Just watch movies. They just, want, they just want to entertain their kids, right? Good, wholesome entertainment. That's it. That's all it is. Supposed to be. What did Disney just promise to do? How many of you have been paying attention? Disney just promised, promised to inject more gay characters and scenes into their movies going forward. Now, here's the thing. They've already done it in the past, okay? Uh, Pixar has admitted that they try and inject it in every movie that they possibly can. If you are familiar at all with Pixar, and I love Pixar movies, don't get me wrong, but they have. They've really tried to inject this into their movies. I don't have a problem with with gay people. Most of you don't have a problem with gay people, but there's going to be a lot of people out there that don't want to have that conversation with their four-year-old. And their four-year-old is just sitting there just trying to watch a movie, okay, about some main character. They don't even make movies about the prince and the princess anymore. They don't make those movies anymore because they're already they're already seen as unsavory. So you don't have to worry about well you're only giving you're only giving your your standard worldview, you're not giving an alternative worldview because they don't do the standard worldview anymore. You just got characters doing character things. So there's going to be a lot of people now looking at this and going, "Well, there we go." We're, we're not going to go at Disney anymore. And I get it. Look, there's not going to be an alternative to Disney because Disney is Disney. I, I understand that. But there's a new production company out there, and the Daily Wire's been producing some really good movies. They haven't done an animated one yet. And they run the gambit of different styles, dramas and suspense and horror, and they've got this like superhero comedy thing that they're, they're coming out with. And they're getting really big-name actors. Which tells me there's more people in Hollywood that are comfortable with making this type of content than anybody ever thought there was. Even if they disagree politically with Ben Shapiro or anybody else. But this is the whole thing. Every time a woke company pops up and attacks you, start an alternative. There will always be a market for an alternative company. And, I mean, the reviews on Harry's Razors haven't been good since Harry's Razors first started anyway. So I don't even, I don't understand the appeal of it. I really don't. Um, I don't shave with a razor all that much. Most of you know that. Um, but it's, okay, it's just a razor. But if you're going to do a razor, don't you want your money to go to a company that's not at least going to attack you? Isn't that the point? 
You've heard me say this a million times. There are celebrities who I know are are very left-wing, but I don't care because they don't attack me. They don't attack my values. They don't attack my family. They don't attack you. They have their beliefs. They can certainly express their beliefs, but if they do it in a venomous way, then I don't have any business with them. That's what all of... You've got to tell everybody. Remember when Arnold Schwarzenegger went out there and begged all of you to come back to Hollywood when the restrictions started getting lifted. Please, I'm begging you, come back and start watching Hollywood movies again. Remember that? You remember what I said? Screw you. What did Arnold do for five years? He attacked anybody who liked Trump. He attacked them. And the great irony here is that Arnold Schwarzenegger was Donald Trump before Donald Trump was Donald Trump. In the political realm, Arnold Schwarzenegger, what was he known for after he became governor of California? calling Democrats losers and saying he wasn't going to listen to them. That's what he was famous for. And now, suddenly, there's no place for that rhetoric in politics. His entire first term were personal insults against Democrats. Yet he wasn't going to accept that with Donald Trump. It's one of the reasons I had my issues with CPAC and some other prominent conservatives who made their their name by being attack dogs. And suddenly they didn't want an attack dog candidate? Right. That doesn't make any sense. So every time there's a company out there that says, hey, we don't like you. We don't like your values. You're all evil. Start a company that competes with them. Will you be as big? Maybe not. Will you make money? I, I Probably. You're probably going to make money. You think that Jeremy Boring is not going to make money selling razors to people? I came very, very close to doing a razor because I designed a razor in my 3D printer. Did you know that? I never tell you that. I never told you. I designed a razor. You know how cheap it is to get the razor blades? You can get like a thousand razor blades for like 25 cents. It's the same razor blade in every razor, guys. There's no difference. It's the same thing. <laughs> so if you're gonna have a if you're gonna have a razor. Why not to give it to people who share your values? You remember when uh, the Sandra Fluck thing happened with Rush Limbaugh and all those companies that only existed because they scraped together advertising dollars to go on Rush's show? And when Rush would open that golden EIB microphone and tell you to go get this security system, that security system that nobody had ever heard of before, that hadn't made any profits in the two years that it was in existence. I don't know if it's specifically two years, but you get what I'm saying. Suddenly blew up overnight. And they pull their advertising off of Rush Limbaugh's show. Because now they've made it, right? Now they've made it. So what does Rush do? All right, pull it off. Whatever. Here comes a new security company. That security company is now the one that you all think of when you think of home security companies. And they've already started to step in it. So guess what? There's going to be a competitor that comes out and puts them out of business or reduces their market share dramatically. Rush Limbaugh never lost revenue. He gained revenue. He gained revenue because there's so many people lining up to go onto his show. And so they charged more. And they built up companies that nobody had ever heard of before. The market is there. And there's a lot of you out there that have the resources and the time that I don't have. And you could easily start these alternatives. Build that parallel economy. You have to show them that if they're going to attack their customer base... Not have their own views. That You're okay. Have your own views. Disagree. That's fine. Just do it politely. But if you attack people, 
that's where you have you have to show them with your dollars that you're not going to give them your money anymore. And I know that that's hard with some of these companies. I get it. Especially if you got kids. You know, kids want to watch the latest Disney movie. I know it's hard. Trust me. I get it too at home. I understand that. Pick your battles. Make your sacrifices for the peace of your family. But fight the fight wherever you can, whenever you can, and they will get that message. And you just might make a lot of money doing it. So good for Jeremy for doing this. So Jeremy's Razors, if you're looking for a razor company, Jeremy's Razors are the ones to do. Wouldn't it be great if Walmart pulled Harry's Razors out of every store and put Jeremy's Razors in instead? God, that'd be great. Got more coming up. 95.3 MNC. All right, I'll tell a funny story. This is my own company, okay? Now, many people know during the 2016 election, uh, my company, I sell knives, I make holsters, okay? I manufacture knives. Um, many of you know that, okay? <laughs> just, got, just got hit up about making a holster on the live stream today. The, the knife that had Trump on it sold very well okay i sold a lot of the trump knife there is a trump knife that i sold one specific trump knife during the 2016 election cycle and i posted it now i also sold a bernie and i also sold a hillary okay they were available on the website and i would periodically post you know obviously these are the knives that we have available hey, come buy this uh, here's how much it costs go to asdefense.com and so i posted the trump one and there's like, uh, unfollowing. <laughs> it's like, okay, I sell Bernie and Hillary too. By the way, how how many? Josh asked me how many Hillary and Bernie knives I sold. Zero, not a one. I think I sold like twenty or thirty of the Trump ones. Okay, I sold none of the Hillary or, or Bernie ones. Not a single one. Okay, and <laughs> but it's like. And it's just one person, right? It's just, yeah, I'm unfollowing. Ah, I I loved your content before that. And it wasn't about my show. It was about just the knife content. I would post these knife videos and photos and that sort of thing. So, you know, they like the knives. But it was election time. You're throwing out, you know, anything to get a buck from somebody. And but they just they lost their minds for it. It's like, okay. But here's the thing. They, they voted with their dollars. That person I checked had never ordered anything from me. I lost nothing because of it, but one follower on Instagram. Big whoop, right? So, <laughs> but they can vote with their dollars, okay? They didn't want it. They didn't like the fact that I offered everybody an option on the knives. They just didn't want me to offer Trump as an option. So there are crazy people out there like this. And you know what? You conduct your business the way that you conduct your business. You know, most people know that if they, if they buy stuff from me, it's going to have a political bent. That's my brand. Uh, if you go to the, the knife and holster side, you're not going to get a lot of that, okay? But you'll get some of it occasionally just because it's who I am. And I don't really care. And Second Amendment people tend to not be psychopaths. So it's just every business has to deal with it. 
But if your business is not made on that premise, okay? So if your business starts off as a neutral entity and then you build up a fan base or, I don't know, you create like uh, maybe a coffee company and you cater to one specific political ideology and then you abandon them and throw them under the bus, your business is going to suffer. Uh, don't ask me who I'm referring to, Josh. Your business is going to suffer. If you start off as neutral and then you don't become neutral, you're going to alienate half your customer base. If you start off one way and then you alienate your entire customer base, you're going to pay the price. It's going to happen. But if you start off from a very specific, we'll call it a niche market, right? Jeremy's Razors is launching as a conservative brand. Will there be people who are not conservatives who buy Jeremy's Razors? Probably. They'll have no idea who Jeremy's Razors are. They're like, oh, this is the new Harry's. Whatever. It's a new shiny thing, so I'll get it because, you know, consumerism. But everybody who is at all familiar with this knows where Jeremy's Razors comes from, knows where it stands. Boy, this is a lot of free advertising for them. Right? Do we need to send Daily Wire a bill? Holy smokes. How much free advertising do you think Daily Wire is getting from talk radio hosts all over the country right now? So you go out there and everybody knows where it comes from. So if the Daily Wire posts something that is conservative theme, they're not going to alienate anybody. But Harry's Razors started off as neutral. And Harry's Razors defended, just this week, they defended pulling ads off of Daily Wire because they call Daily Wire hate speech. What? The Daily Wire has never said anything that's hate speech. Never even remotely. And some of you who have a warped sense of worldview maybe thinks that, but not no logical person actually thinks the Daily Wire spreads hate speech. But it is really just, it's funny to watch this stuff just kind of happen over and over and over again uh, with these companies because it they suffer every time. Every woke company suffers as a result of this. Every single one of them. I've never seen a company go woke and succeed by going woke. There are companies who started off as woke and did really well because they were a niche brand and that was their clientele and their customer base. But I've never seen a company start off on the right and go left and succeed. And I've never seen a company start off neutral and then go one way or the other and then succeed. I've never seen it happen. There's a reason the phrase go woke, go broke exists, ladies and gentlemen. MNC News Time is 4.32. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Uh, Madeline Albright, once again, has passed away. Uh, that is the unfortunate uh, breaking news at the beginning of the show. Uh, so people were asking me about Dollar Shave Club. A lot. Here's the thing. Dollar Shave Club is super woke. They are a social justice company, and when they really started going hard in support of BLM and donating large amounts of money to BLM, people left Dollar Shave Club and went to Harry's. So, you, so Harry's built their, <clears throat> their business model on a neutral platform that was safe for conservatives and people on the right to go to. And then Harry's abandoned all of that when they pulled their ads on the Daily Wire and then attacked the Daily Wire and their listeners and readers um, on, on you know, social media. 
So that's why Jeremy's Razors is such a big deal. I see a couple of people like, I still use Dollar Shave Club. Well, Dollar Shave Club is super woke. Like, lots of money going to BLM and that sort of thing. So, which is fine if that if you're okay with that. I'm just letting you know in case that is a concern for you. <clears throat> um, the New York Times tried to do a gotcha story on Candace Owens. This is really funny. I, I don't understand this. I know that I say this a lot. I don't understand in the information age how so many people have no idea what they've posted about various topics. I don't know if it's just we are conditioned to not have long-term memory now because everything is done in 30 to 60-second sound bites. I don't really know. But when Brian Stelter, again, Brian Stelter goes out there and he says, when did I ever say that, uh, you know, when did I ever say this one specific thing? Uh, when did I say that the uh, the Hunter laptop was Russian disinformation? When did I ever say this one specific thing that he actually said on his show uh, that night? And he's consistently pointed, people are consistently telling him and showing him with this video of him saying it. No, you said it there. And he's denied ever saying it. He, he, I don't know if he doesn't remember it. I don't know if he's delusional. I don't really know what the deal is. But he's not alone. We consistently have people in the news media today forgetting that they have told you things. And so the New York Times, <clears throat> this is what's so weird about this. The New York Times attempted to put conservative commentator Candace Owens on the spot this week, comparing her language to Russian propaganda. The initial inquiry from the Times claimed that Owens was advancing ideas that Ukraine is a corrupt country, similar to Russian state media, and asked if she would like to comment on that assessment. Now, I played you a clip from Noise 2020. Me and Bill O'Reilly. And at Noise, I asked Bill O'Reilly a very specific question about Ukraine. And Bill O'Reilly said Ukraine is a horrendously corrupt country. And it, and it is. There's massive corruption there. Zelensky is the reform candidate to fix that corruption. Now, what happened when Zelensky was... Again, he won 73% of the vote. Poroshenko was extremely corrupt. That was the previous president of Ukraine. Poroshenko is the one that protected the Biden family. Zelensky runs as the anti-corruption candidate. Zelensky comes in and he starts removing these oligarchs from positions in government. He then disbands parliament, basically rebuilds parliament. So these permanently appointed uh, oligarchs are not, who are corrupt, are not running parliament and running the government of Ukraine. What was the response of American media to Zelensky's reforms? Anybody? Because I know that many of you haven't heard about any of this because this isn't covered in American press at all. What was the response of the American media? Zelensky is a totalitarian. You can go back and read all sorts of articles about how Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky is a corrupt totalitarian who is the most corrupt Ukrainian president in the history of corrupt Ukrainian presidents, even though he ran as the anti-corruption candidate. Go back. Look, you'll see it in the Washington Post. You'll see it in the New York Times. You'll see it in the Wall Street Journal. You'll see it everywhere. And all he was doing was removing the old corrupt rot that was in his government. Okay? They didn't like the way that he was doing it. So where do you think the American news media, who, let's be honest, doesn't know a darn thing about Ukraine. Where do you think they got the idea that Zelensky was a totalitarian? That was the word that they used, not me. Where do you think they got that from? Could it be the politicians who use Ukraine to launder their money? <laughs> do, you, 
Do you think maybe some of the DC politicians called the news media, their friends in the news media, and said, "Hey, uh, this Zelensky guy is uh, totalitarian, man. He's like he's he's disbanding the government, and he's doing this, and he's doing that, and it's really bad." Can you write a story about it? Where do you think it all came from? Well, Casey, why are they lionizing him now? Who do you think is indebted to the same politicians that were using Ukraine to launder their money? And for those of you who are like, what are you talking about with money laundering? Spend five minutes. Here's what I need you to do. Go to Brave Search. Don't go to Google. Go to Brave Search. Because Google's burying this now. Okay, Go to Brave Search. And type in Ukraine money laundering. Just do yourself a favor. This is in addition to the $50 million that members of Ukraine's parliament and executive branch have accused the Biden family directly of stealing, including Joe Biden. Forget about that. Just go through and watch all of the news stories about Ukraine being a corrupt cesspit where Europe and the United States, powerful people, laundered money through that country. Go look. I get it. A lot of you didn't know anything about Ukraine. You still thought it was in Russia. And now it's like, whoa, Ukraine's not in Russia. I thought Ukraine was the big the big cold place. No, that's Siberia. Okay, It's not, not Ukraine. Ukraine is cold. But it's not Siberia. A lot of people are just waking up to this. They don't know. Again, anytime there's a conflict overseas, a lot of Americans have no idea what's going on. So they rely on their media to give them information. Go look at all of the times that Zelensky was called a totalitarian by American media before this invasion. Go look. We've read you some of those stories before, but just do yourself a favor. I want you to look on your own. Just don't go to Google. Google's burying them. Just go to Brave Search and do the search and see how many articles you get about that. Ukraine, Zelensky, corruption, totalitarian, whatever you want to do. Just do all of those searches. You'll find it. Plenty of information there. They didn't like that he was disbanding all of the corruption in Ukraine. He was trying to be a reformer. Now, the New York Times has written many articles about Ukraine's corruption. Lots. And suddenly, if you remind everybody that Ukraine is corrupt, you're using Russian propaganda. Right? That's how this is working. This is how this war machine is working here. The initial inquiry from the Times claimed that Owens was advancing ideas that Ukraine is a corrupt country similar to Russian state media and asked if she would like to comment on the assessment. However, what the Times, the writers at the Times did not realize is that Owens was using sources that they published, particularly one article called Ukraine's Undying Corruption. Received an email from the New York Times asking for comment regarding me advancing ideas that Ukraine is a corrupt country similar to Russian state TV. I replied informing them that I actually got my ideas from the New York Times and provided them with links to their past articles. Imagine being this stupid. You write a ton of articles about Ukraine being corrupt in your publication, and the moment somebody says the exact same thing that everybody knows... You accuse them of Russian propaganda, and you reach out to them because you're going to character assassinate Candace Owens now. Candace Owens, of course, is like, where do you think I got it from? I got it from you. And the New York Times was writing all of these corruption articles about Ukraine because whoever in the D.C. government 
was really upset that Zelensky was ruining their payday, decided to pick up the phone and call the New York Times and say, hey, this Zelensky guy in Ukraine, man, this guy, is, uh, he's, 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 a, he's a tyrant. And really what it was is that Zelensky was reforming and getting rid of all those corrupt oligarchs that were getting paid by Democrats to make Democrats money through corrupt processes. And right now, who do you think is, is president of Ukraine? Who do you think is now beholden to the West and is going to be forced to do whatever the West tells him to do? Think it might be Zelensky? You think he's going to get javelins and things like that if he doesn't continue to launder their money for them? How do you think that's going to go for the guy? Anyone? He's completely beholden to the West now. There's nothing he can do. He's completely beholden to them. Hopefully, hopefully, and I'm not optimistic about this. Hopefully, Zelensky is just using the West and then completely breaks the deal afterwards. I don't think he'll be in a position because he's going to be seeking, you know, rebuilding funds and that sort of thing and investment, and he won't be able to get it unless he plays ball. So the guy that wasn't in their back pocket is now forced to be in their back pocket. I know. It's it's all new to many of you. I understand. Uh, but there's more coming out, too, including an update on another fake news story out of Ukraine. What, Josh? There's a fake news story out of Ukraine? Haven't heard about that before. Got more coming up. 95.3 MNC. Welcome back to Quahog 5 News. And now here's Ollie Williams with the Blackie Weather Forecast. Ollie? It's gonna rain! Thanks. Ollie? And now here's Ollie Williams with the Blackie Weather Forecast. Ollie? It's gonna rain! Thanks, Ollie. Let's go live to Ollie Williams with the Blackie Weather Report. Ollie? It's raining sideways! Sounds right. Raining sideways! Ollie? It's raining... It's raining... Sideways. Sounds rough, Ollie. Do you have an umbrella? Had one! Where is it? Inside out, two miles away! Is there anything we can do for you? Bring me some soup! What kind? It's raining... Port. Ollie? I'm I'm told to tell you that it's it's really windy outside, and there's lots of rain. Um, what? No, I I I didn't play it. I didn't. Well, here's the thing. I didn't cut it up. I wanted to play Ollie from Family Guy. I love that guy. The guy's great. <laughs> the the Blackie weather forecast. It's hysterical. 
We're going to go to Ollie with the Blackie Weather Forecast. It's raining! <laughs> it's raining sideways! Do you have an umbrella? I have one! Inside out, two miles down the road. That guy's hysterical. I love it. I wish we had a meteorologist that was like that. Just, you know, just local television, just go to it. Just, you know, we should do that. Why? We have a plenty of people who sit around here and don't do anything. Other news stations can throw their people outside in the, in the inclement weather and not care about their well-being. We can do the same thing. Just throw them outside. Just uh, go to them on the cell phone. Like, how's the, how's the weather out there? It's raining. <laughs> Big storm out there right now. So uh, just be careful. Okay. It is really windy, really, really wet, uh, certainly here at the MNC studios and, and other parts of the listening area. So just uh, be careful. All right. Um, I wanted to read you something. I'm going to do it on the other side of this break. But I did run into a poll, and there's a poll that shows vaccinated people. And I don't know if there's a connection, guys and gals. Vaccinated people are far more likely to support risking World War III over Ukraine. Do with that information what you will. But vaccinated people are far more likely to want to go to war with Russia. <laughs> So I don't, I don't know what that means. Do with do with that information what you will. I, I'm not not going to make any um, any any assumptions about any of that. But there you go. Uh, Russian chess mass, a grand chess master, has has been banned from competing for expressing the wrong political opinion. So it was tennis yesterday. Today it's chess. A Russian chess prodigy has been banned from competing internationally by the International Chess Federation because he expressed the wrong political opinion speaking in favor of his country's actions in Ukraine. So there you go. Uh, Sergei Karzhikin expressed support for Russia's military, uh, and as a result, he has been banned from international chess competition. If you don't fall in line, if you don't do what the globalists say, you won't be able to buy a house or travel or make a living or be able to go to a concert or whatever. Where, where, where do they do that? Oh, that's right. China in the social credit score system. What if I were to tell you that Ukraine just implemented a social credit score? We'll talk about that next. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Oh, hey, look, there's a study that found that teens, uh, it was harder for them to quit smoking in 2020. I wonder if that's because you attacked vaping, you idiots. I like how they show a vape pen, though. That's the that's the thing that they showed in the news article. Right. Good afternoon. Casey Hendrickson here. You're listening to 95.3 MNC. We will be filling in for Pat Miller on WoWo for the next couple of days as well. Um, and I will be on Lars Larson tonight. I'll be talking about Eric the Chinless and his transgender veto. So we'll talk about that on Lars Larson. I will be on at 7.15 Eastern time. So to keep in mind, that's for his live nationally syndicated show, not the later played show here on MNC. So if you have the ability to listen to uh, Lars Larson live at 7.15 Eastern, you should be able to hear me. If not, I'll be on whatever the equivalent time is with his show that airs here on 95.3 MNC later tonight. Okay, I want to I want to read this. Um, this is an article in CNS News. The U.S. press again becomes a conduit 
for pro-war propaganda. Now, I just want you to listen to some of this, okay? The dominant media narrative is that the U.S. government and all Americans must stand with Ukraine in the latter's resistance to Russian aggression. The identification with Ukraine's cause is now nearly total, and it is infused with arrogant righteousness. Noticeably missing is any sense, once so powerful in U.S. foreign policy and general discourse, that America's interests often are and should be distinct from the interests and objectives of any foreign country. The emotionalism and shallowness of, is most evident with the television coverage of the conflict. American viewers are inundated with images of exploding shells from the invading Russian forces, sites of desperate, tearful refugees, mostly women and children, fleeing the invaders, and shots of other determined Ukrainian civilians arming themselves to defend their country. Television is a visual medium that always tries to evoke emotions among viewers, but that element has become truly over-the-top regarding treatment of the Ukraine war. Providing a deluge of images showing traumatized civilian refugees adds little to anyone's understanding of the roots of the conflict, its underlying issues, or its likely outcome. Now, those last three things, the roots of the conflict, the underlying issues, and the likely outcome, are the things that I've tried to focus on for you because you're not getting it from anybody else. There's very few people that are actually addressing these things with you. And my job, I believe, is to keep you informed so you can make a decision. And there, there isn't any reason to be doing the rah-rah Ukraine and uh, let's kill all Russians and all of that stuff. But if I can give you the other perspective of what's happening and give you the truth, then maybe you'll be more informed. Maybe you'll be able to, you know, um, argue with your elected officials if it comes down to this and that sort of thing. Because what's happening in Poland right now is scary. And I'll get to that in a minute. Indeed, prominent media outlets have been guilty of circulating transparently crude Ukrainian propaganda. Now, remember, I told you this is the reason they banned Russian media in Europe and in the United States. Russian media had exposed several of these stories as fake news, and they were fake news. The Russian media was telling the truth. The Ukrainian media and the Western media was not. That doesn't mean the Russian media doesn't lie. They certainly do. But it is important for you to understand that propaganda flies both ways. Both sides use it. And if you're exposed to all of the propaganda, you can pick and choose which one is the most accurate, which one's telling the truth, which one isn't. Some of the material they've telecast turned out to be fake. A widely circulated image of Ukrainian girl verbally confronting Russian troops actually was that of a Palestinian girl confronting Israeli troops. 2015's Miss Ukraine was not taking up arms against the Russian invaders despite a well-covered photo op. And I know that a lot of you got mad at me for posting that. Um, but I, I knew she was an airsoft player. Again, it, I was alluding to the fact that she was doing the civilian stuff, but I get it. I get why you were mad at me. Okay, You can, you can say that I posted fake news. It's fine. A closer examination of the image showed that she was brandishing an airsoft gun, which, again, she's a well-known airsoft player. Uh, some images of aerial combat footage of Ukrainian pilots battling Russian aggressors were from video games. There also has been an array of more subtle but decidedly deceptive accounts that U.S. press outlets distributed. The supposed martyrs of Snake Island, who allegedly were blown to smithereens after defying and cursing a Russian warship, turned out to be very much alive. The American news media dutifully reported a Ukrainian military account in early March 
that it had severely damaged, if not sunk, the Russian patrol ship, the, the Vasily Baikov, in the Black Sea. The episode was supposedly a major victory because the vessel was one of Russia's newest warships. It was also the one that was responsible for apparently killing all of the people at Snake Island. And I told you, I came on the air and I said, I don't believe it. The Russians haven't listed the ship as a lost asset. And guess what? The credibility of Kiev's uh, Kiev's claim took a major hit on March 16th when the ship sailed, apparently unharmed, into the port of Sevastopol in Crimea. And I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. In light of such problems with accounts regarding the war, American journalists should at least be cautious about reflexively repeating Ukrainian government allegations. For example, Kiev has repeatedly asserted that Russian forces deliberately target residential areas in their shelling campaigns. And the U.S. media echo those claims every day, all day. Everybody does this. Perhaps the allegations are true, but the generally accepted figures with respect to Ukrainian civilian fatalities as of March 17th are 726 civilians. They do not seem consistent with wholly indiscriminate assaults. Journalists should at least view Kiev's accusations with some skepticism Yet there is scant evidence of meaningful scrutiny. So, like the highest estimates right now are 900 Ukrainian civilians dead. And I'm not minimizing 900 civilians dead. The number is likely a little bit higher. But if the Russians were targeting civilians, there would be a lot more than 900. And I have to remind everybody you're in a conflict where civilians are taking up arms. Civilians are resisting the Russian invaders, which I applaud them for doing. And they're doing it in civilian areas, from civilian buildings, and the Russians are responding. Those aren't civilians anymore. Those are fighters. That's an insurgency. It's a resistance. And for the American media to not acknowledge that fact and try to separate how many of these civilians are actually fighters versus peaceful people is a disservice to all of you. And it's a disservice to journalism. If Russia were intentionally targeting civilian populations, there would be more than between 700 and 900 civilians dead. And I've showed you videos on my live streams of Russian troops refusing to engage in civilians. I've also seen Russian troops engage civilians. Civilians who hadn't directly threatened them. I've offered some explanations to why that could be a logical reason why the Russians may have fired. It's entirely possible they're just indiscriminately killing people. There's bad people in every military out there. There's scared conscripts out there who know that the civilians are fighting against them. And they're a little jumpy. And they're probably shooting everything that moves that isn't one of them. And that is going to lead to them targeting Innocent civilians who are not combatants. Absolutely. Is it excusable? No, but it's it's an explanation of what may be going on, as opposed to Putin hates civilians and is trying to murder Ukrainian children, which this operation has never played out that that was the case. Now, Mariupol and Kherson are situations where I think that you need to know the history of those cities and the units that are fighting in those cities including the Azov and DPR forces, because if you don't understand that history, 
you will be easily misled into thinking that the Russian troops are the only ones that are targeting civilian buildings. And I've seen tons of videos, tons of Ukrainian troops firing javelins and end laws from civilian buildings. And you can't get upset at the Russians for targeting those buildings back. I'm not saying that they don't target occupied civilian buildings. But you need context. That apartment building in Mariupol, that thing is abandoned. And they're showing a tank targeting that building. Why? Well, Azov was fighting from that building. There's video of Azov fighting from that building. The Ukraine war would not be the first time that portions of the American press became willing conduits of foreign disinformation. In the years before the U.S. entry into World War I, major American newspapers and magazines credulously repeated British propaganda about German forces in Belgium, yada, yada, yada. And they go back and give you a whole history, okay? The reason I want you to know this is because you have a right to get accurate information about this conflict. The Russians are the aggressors here. That doesn't mean that everything the Russians are saying about why they became the aggressor is false. There's some truth in what they're saying. They've exaggerated quite a bit, but there's some truth in what they're saying. And maybe that's a justification in your mind. Maybe it isn't, but you deserve to know that before the news media, everywhere, whatever, whatever channel you turn on, tells you definitively that the Russians are bad guys just because they're Russian, which is what they're doing. And that's how you get to a point where the number one tennis player in the world can't play in Wimbledon until he denounces Putin publicly. Now, again, if you don't recoil at that thought, you're the bad guy. What is that man supposed to do if he basically admonishes Putin and disavows the conflict in Ukraine just so he could do his job and play at Wimbledon, the number one tennis player in the world? What The West makes that demand of him. And then what does the West do when this man goes back to his house in Russia where Vladimir Putin is sitting there as the president of his country? What does he do then? Where people are facing 15 months, 15 years in prison, excuse me, not months, years in prison, potentially, for protesting the war. What, who's going to take care of this guy when that happens? Or does he just have to run and not go back home? You've got a tennis player, a, or not a tennis, a chess player, a chess prodigy, can't play international chess because he supports his country's conflict. It's okay for him to support his country's conflict, guys. You might disagree with that, and that's okay too. But he loves his country. He wants his country to succeed. Um, Again, the Russian perspective of how Ukrainians feel about Russia is completely wrong. It is completely tone deaf. Eastern Ukraine, it's much more in line with Russian thinking, but the rest of Ukraine is not a big fan of Russia. That's why they split off. That's why they don't want to be a part of Russia anymore. But there are parts of, of Ukraine that do. You know, there could be a brokered peace tomorrow. The problem is, is that the price of peace is probably going to be too high for President Zelensky. So what does that peace look like? The international community comes in and the international community brokers a ceasefire. You either call Putin's bluff or Putin was at least somewhat telling the truth about why the operation was happening and then the the entire conflict gets resolved. You call their bluff. You hold elections in Donbass, those two regions in Donbass, 
You let the citizens vote on if they actually want to secede from Ukraine and either be independent or join the Russian Federation. But the international community conducts the election. Ukraine says the vote that happened with that was illegal, and it looks like it probably was. But the vote still happened. And the people in Donbass do not want to be a part of Ukraine. So put a legitimate vote to it. If they vote to stay with Ukraine, you look at Putin, you go, there you go. You lied. The people who don't want to be a part of Ukraine can go to Russia. But if they do vote, if they do vote to leave Ukraine, you've got to look at Ukraine and say, you have to let them go. They don't want to be a part of your country anymore. That's how this conflict could stop tomorrow. And a lot of people might think it's unfair to ask Ukraine to do that. Well, what's their other option? Sit here and get obliterated by by Russia until this conflict comes to its end, whatever that end looks like, and then whatever the aftermath of that looks like, which could be a lot worse. And then you're going to be dealing with Donbass anyway, and it's just going to be another 8, 10, 12, 20 years of, of violent conflict over there as it has been the past eight years. Got more coming up, 95.3 MNC. this as a form of e-governance and social credit uh, and a tracking system that will be used by the Ukrainian government coming you know, from now on forward. And again, be very, very careful of what the globalists are trying to do here. And it, what they're doing is separate from kind of the conflict and the human toll and the suffering that the Ukrainian people are, are being dealt with right now. Um, but there is a separate goal here. You are witnessing cancel culture for the very first time on an international scale. It's never been done before. And if they're canceling top athletes and top chess players and top singers and things like that to where they're not able to be able to have a job just because they have the wrong political view, don't think for a second that this isn't going to be turned against you in some worldwide globalist society. You know, the New World Order mantra is being uttered by Joe Biden again, which is something that George H.W. Bush uttered and became, you know, famous ministry song as a result of the fight against the New World Order. And now Joe Biden's like, yeah, I'm going to lead the New World Order. No, you're not. You're going to lead anything. But just be aware of this. I mean, there are a lot of the stuff that's being used because of this conflict and being implemented because of this conflict is right in line with the Great Reset. Now, here's the thing. Russia is not going to attack Poland, but Poland really doesn't like Belarus. And if the Belarusian army, which Ukraine has falsely stated entered the war twice, if the Belarusian army does in fact get involved, Poland and Belarus really don't like each other. Poland may see the opportunity there. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but Russia is not going to attack Poland. They'd be attacking the European Union, and Russia knows that they are a serious disadvantage there. Um, there does appear to be some truth to them running out of bullets, though. So the uh, it's the smart munitions they, they seem to be out of, which explains the use of dummy weapons. And a lot of those dummy weapons are being used in civilian areas, which, of course, are leading to Western media covering civilian areas or seeing these you know carpet bombs and things like that. 
some of which could very well be war crimes. And the other thing is, is that there is a, a phone call. Um, most of these phone calls I'm not really buying into. I, I don't know that I buy into every phone call that the, the Russian troops are making or being intercepted. I don't know about that. Some of it seems very, very propaganda-like uh, to me, so I don't know. But there is a phone call with they've identified the individual as well as the commander. Seems to be legitimate where they are complaining about the lack of air support, that this isn't a proper uh, proper military tactics are not being used, that they're running low on even small munitions like, like ammo for their rifles. So there does potentially appear to be some truth to that. Now, at least based on what we know, okay, take everything you hear in Western media with a grain of salt about this conflict. However, there is a report that there is a secret plan to send 10,000 NATO peacekeeping troops into Ukraine. And apparently this is being prepared by the Polish government. Now, keep in mind, I don't know if this is accurate, but you need to pay attention to this. Uh, This is a plan that was created by the Polish Ministry of Defense, and it doesn't mean that they're going to implement it. It just means that they drew up the plan, just in case. Doesn't mean that they're actually going to do it. But you have to pay attention to what happens in Poland. Basically, how things go in Belarus will dictate how Poland interacts with this conflict because they really don't like each other. Also, another top military commander with Russia has been killed. This is their 15th. This is the worst loss of Russian military leaders since World War II. Fifteen top commanders have been killed in action. MNC News Time is 5.32. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. I will be on Lars Larson tonight. Uh, Somebody said that I'll be on at 7.15 live, so that should be, what, 10.15 when it actually airs on MNC. So somewhere around there. But I will be on Lars Larson tonight to talk about Eric the Chinless and his lack of support for women's and girls' sports. So that'll be happening today. Lars reached out to me yesterday, but they wanted me to to do his earlier show before while I was in the middle of my show. So I couldn't do that. Uh, time difference and everything else kind of screws us up sometimes. So the uh, Elkhart Community School Board meeting happened. Obviously, there were some tense moments and people were pretty upset. I haven't seen all of the videos yet. I've seen some that some of you sent to me. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Um you know, again, it's the school system is basically saying, hey, we're going to meet with principals. We're going to go over this. You know, they're doing lip service stuff right now. At the end of the day, this is a major, major issue that has not been addressed for quite some time. And unfortunately, we've got, you know, a dead child now. And it's not isolated. That's the problem. This is not an isolated incident. If you had any idea how many people are reaching out to me right now with the exact same, well, not specifically, but basically the same situation. And we're talking about South Bend. We're talking about Mishawaka. We're talking about Concord. Okay. We have all of these schools where these are issues. And some of the, the parents are sending me receipts of conversations that they have had through email and text messaging with school faculty and administration who did not lift a finger to help the kid. This is not an isolated incident with what happened to Rio. 
This is a problem that is not being dealt with in our public educational system, not just here, all over the country. Look at all of the mass shootings at schools that involve problem students that were not removed from the classroom. We've had this discussion way too much. You have to get to a point where you give teachers the tools to remove bad students and the administration doesn't put those bad students back into the classroom. And then good students are protected from bad students, bad students who don't get their act together. Hey, they're off to some kind of an opportunity school to hopefully rebuild themselves. But the reality is that that just, that doesn't happen. There's too much money tied to how many students go to a school. I've said that this is the wrong course of action. Hundreds of students walked out of Northside Middle School yesterday. We've got that story playing all all day here on 95.3 MNC. Uh, there were some parents that obviously took part in that. I would like to say that um, I'm appreciative that they allowed it to happen at Northside because, you know, they don't like allowing protests if it's certain things. They will allow protests for other certain things. But I, I will like to say, I mean, Northside, thank you for letting the students walk out. Um, there was some rumors that they were not really going to allow that for a period of time. and then it shifted over, and um, so they did. They, they allowed that to happen. But this is the thing. You know, the problem is that we've got a little girl whose parents warned the school. Faculty at the school knew what was happening, and nothing was done. And I think it's fine and dandy that the, the school board is saying that they're going to be meeting with principals and Elkhart about this, but this is not just an Elkhart issue. This is a public education issue. And when you... Yeah, there are different things that parents can do. First of all, parents have to start treating it like it's an actual crime, because it is. You have to be willing to accept that your child might be a bully. You have to be willing to communicate with your child in case they are being bullied. That was the case with, with Rio. They knew it was happening, and they warned the school, but for the rest of you. And the other thing is that when schools are constantly telling children, I had this conversation with somebody the other day, when schools are constantly telling kids that they have some kind of a psychological disorder, or that they're superior or inferior because of the color of their skin or what have you, you're going to run into situations like this quite a bit. You're breeding mental illness in public education right now through your social programs and and your conditioning that you're doing instead of focusing on, on academics. And that's making the problem that much worse, even though there's less bullying now than there used to be. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. actually found this article uh, maybe i'll go over it with you tomorrow it's like the nordic way to deal with bullying and kind of like how scandinavia handles the the bullying issues and things we're just kind of talking about it off camera well on camera but off microphone uh during the break here just some of the stuff that's going on and you know when we were little when we were kids like I, josh has told me this happened kind of in his school too it happened in my school i'm a lot older than josh is but you know, kids like going to the bathroom and looking underneath the, the bathroom stall and, you know, do it. Okay, kids do that stuff. But now there's cell phones involved, guys. It's child pornography. And, you know, yeah, the kids who are doing it probably don't understand what that means. I get that. But it is. It's child pornography. 
you're throwing phones underneath stalls and taking pictures of students and you're posting it wherever you're posting it. You need you need parents and law enforcement involved at that point. There has to be intervention here because it's going to continue to get worse. They can't escape this technology. We're giving them tablets now. The tablets have internet access. The tablets are basically their personal tablet, except they belong to the school. There's some limitations, but not a lot. You know, it's... The way that things were handled before has to be dramatically altered because it is not the same world anymore. And there's been zero motivation to adjust strategies in dealing with this type of harassment on campus. Speaking of not adjusting to changing times, Bill O'Reilly is coming up now. You'll have a wonderful night. We'll see you tomorrow.